0: So uh, it's good to be with you this morning to sing with you, to pray with you, to worship with you, and I would ask that we each turn in our Bibles to Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five, and uh, let me say this as we begin: if if you're a Christian but you don't know how to walk as the Christian you are, the next three messages, including today, are for you. And I really pray that this rings home to us, that if you're a Christian, if you come to know Jesus as Lord of your life, but you don't know how to walk as the Christian you are, these next three messages are for you. Look at Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 1 through 15, and then I'll add three verses to it, as you'll see. But but Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision circumcision, that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ, you who are seeking to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith "'working through love. "'You were running well. "'Who hindered you from obeying the truth? "'This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. "'A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. "'I have confidence in you in the Lord "'that you will adopt no other view, "'but the one who is disturbing you "'will will bear his judgment, whoever he is. "'But I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, "'why am I still persecuted?' then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. I wish that those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves. For you are called to freedom, brethren. Only don't turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another take care that you're not consumed by one another but I say walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh verse 18 but if you're led by the spirit you're not under the law and then verse 25 if or since we live by the spirit let us also walk by the spirit so father we pray that as we look at these uh, words that they would have a great impact on our lives I, uh, as you know, Father, I grew up in a, a, a church that practiced legalism. They would have never wanted that to be said of them, but that's what they practiced. And it was how many services you attended and whether you did do, do this and didn't do that. And, and all these rules and regulations and expectations, um, it, was, it was awful. And uh, Jesus, you've called us to freedom and you've made freedom possible. And I pray that we'd see that we're not free to sin. (laughs) We're free for the first time not to sin. We're we're free to, through love, serve one another. There's a freedom here that we've never experienced before when we realize uh, who we are in Jesus Christ and your way to walk. And so may we learn your provision, your method, for walking in a way that's actually pleasing to you. May we learn it and may we practice it and it's in Jesus' name we thank you. Amen. I uh, I, I grew up in a church that uh, was legalistic. It, uh, uh, In fact, I was one of the most, uh, I was probably one of the most wonderful people that was there. I had a I had one of these. In fact, I have it at home. I should have brought it today. I have this row of pins that I earn for perfect attendance every Sunday for year after year after year after year. I was wonderful. <laughs> the problem is I was also miserable because I realized I wasn't living the Christian life. I realized that Jesus wasn't seen through me If Jesus was seen, people would, and they saw me, they would not have wanted the Jesus that I thought I I worshipped. I I do think I was a Christian, um, but uh, I, I uh, I was legalistic, and my church was. And I didn't know any other way. I did not know that there was provision that God had made so that I could only, not only be right or just with Him, but I could also walk right before Him. And I didn't, I didn't understand that. We were never taught that in our church. We were basically taught how to become a Christian. You heard the same message whether you were at the Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, uh, Thursday night prayer meeting. Um, it, it didn't matter what service you were at. All you heard was how to become a Christian. And as far as I know, about six or seven years old, I became a Christian. But I didn't know how to walk as one. And so if you came to me for counseling and said, I have this problem, I've I, I become a Christian, I, I by faith have received Jesus as my, my Lord, but, and I'm even, I'm even beginning to learn who I am, this new person I am in Jesus Christ, but I don't know how to walk in a way that's pleasing to God. I keep trying to walk in my own strength, and, and, and this is what I was taught as I was growing up, or at least that's, this is what was encouraged, is if you aren't doing well enough, you need to try harder. You know, the little saying that is, it sounds so good, but it's so wrong. You do your best, and God will do the rest. the rest. Dick still has a lot to learn. Yeah. Um, but that's what I grew up with. Those were those were the words that I heard, or at least were implied, that uh, if you, you if you aren't walking in a way that is pleasing to God, then either you have the wrong laws, or you're you know you're 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 not trying hard enough. And so, I, I, if you came to me for counseling and and made these statements to me, I would take you to what we're going to be looking at. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, clear through chapter 6, verse 10, I would take you to those verses. And, and so I, I pray that this is an eye-opening for, for many of us. It was to me, it wasn't until about 20 years later after I became a Christian that I first started getting hints that there might be a way to walk in a way that was pleasing to God and, and where I wasn't so miserable and confused. And so that's what these verses cover. And so I I put on your handout, and I want you to get that back-to-back paper that's in every bulletin there. If you don't have that, there are some back on the back table. We want you to get that. We're we're covering the whole book of Galatians through these uh, little back-to-back handouts, and there are going to be 10 of them when we've... Today is the seventh. Those are all back on the back table. If you haven't picked those up, I encourage you to do that because it's a a very simple outline of what Galatians is all about. And and so um, what we're looking at today is this is how to walk as the son. We've been seeing we are God's sons. We are God's heirs. This is how to walk in line with the new person you are in Jesus Christ. This is how to do it. We understand that authentic Christianity is walking in line with God's Word. We need to know God's Word. We need to be obedient to God's Word, but it's the how that we're looking at in Galatians chapter 5 and 6. This is how to do it in a way that's pleasing to God. And we're going to see it's the same way we became Christians. It's by, it's by faith. Just as what we've, what we've been learning in, in Galatians is, is, first of all, we can trust Paul's ministry and message. That's the first, basically the first two chapters. We can trust what he says. We can trust his message, not these legalistic Jews who are trying to persuade them to go back under law. So we we need to understand that, that we can trust Paul's writings, the Apostle Paul's writings. And and then he, he tells us how to become a Christian, how to be right or just with God, and that is by faith in the person and work of Jesus, the one who satisfied Jesus, satisfied the Father's justice when he died on the cross in, in our place and for our sins, and when we, by faith, receive him into our lives as Lord, this Jesus, we become right or just before God. And then the next thing he says is once you become right with God, here's what takes place the moment you become a Christian. You become this new person, that you have a new heart, and you're this new, God's new creation, and you actually become a saint or a holy one. You you are God's son. You are God's heirs. You belong to him. We're part of one, you know, the one body of Jesus Christ. We are what the Bible calls redeemed Uh, All those things became true, and so now we've seen how to become a Christian. We've done that. Now we've seen who we are as a Christian, and hopefully we're accepting that and starting to think that way, and now how do I walk in line with the new person I am in Christ? And so we are looking at the method, which is the Holy Spirit. And we need to, the reason from this passage we need to know God's message and God's method really well is because, first of all, you will recognize the false when you see it or hear it. You will. Second, so that you will, you'll be careful who you choose to follow. I heard a statistic many years ago that said 85 to 90 percent of people are followers which means only 10 to 15% of people are leaders. So if you're in the majority, then you're a, a follower. And you need to be careful to choose who you who you, you to choose somebody that is that is giving God's truth, that, that is laying out God's truth when you talk with them. They are living out God's truth. You need to be careful who you choose to follow. These Galatian Christians were choosing to follow these legalists. And they were being deceived and misled. And so we so we need to recognize, you know, know God's message and, and method well, so that we uh, recognize what we're free to do. We're free now. Yes, we're free, but we're not free to sin. We don't. In fact, we're free not to sin. In fact, we are free to lovingly serve others. Those God brings into our lives. And so, if you look at the handout there, and just follow along with me there for a little bit, about the fifth or sixth line down where it says, Christ has set us free to lovingly serve others by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. It is so important to grasp this is God's method. Just just as Jesus was God's way for us to get right with God the Father, the Holy Spirit is is the one who enables to us to walk right before God the Father. And, and so Christ has set us free all right to lovingly serve others by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, now look on the handout with me there, and we're just going to cover some of this r- r- more rapidly. Um, the, the legalists were trying by their own efforts, what's called the flesh in the Bible, to obey the law and they were demanding that others do the same you know faith in jesus is fine but if you're a, if you're a male you must be circumcised to truly be right with god and or to walk right with god if you're a if if you're any person if you've started out with faith in jesus that's okay but you must also obey these laws. You've got to be in the church every time the doors are open. You've got to eat certain kinds of food. You can't eat other kinds of food. You've got to observe some days more, as more important than others. And they, they were putting them back under Jewish law. And there were hundreds of them, perhaps thousands of these laws. And they were putting them back under that. And so these legalists were trying by their own efforts to obey the law and get others to do the same. But Paul says that's not freedom. That's bondage. That's slavery. Why would you do that? We've been set free by Jesus. Therefore, keep standing firm in your freedom. And this is a reality for us and a walk achieved by faith in Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And look at verse 2 there on your handout. If you're seeking to be justified, and that means to be made right or just with God, if you're seeking to be justified or to walk by law, look at the results. If you receive circumcision, Christ and his work will be of no benefit to you. None. In circumcision, the father would cut away the loose skin surrounding the head of his son's sexual organ. That's done today, usually by a doctor early on. But it, it, for the Jewish people, the father would cut away the loose skin surrounding the head of his son's sexual organ. And, and what God had done back in Genesis chapters 15, 16, and 17 is He had given circumcision as a symbol. It's a beautiful symbol of that, that God established a covenant, a, He made a promise, a vow To Abraham that God would fulfill and this the circumcision was he was you know you were to be cut off from anything else your devotion was totally to God it's a beautiful symbol but what the legalists were doing is they were making that a necessity you have to be circumcised to be right with God or to walk right before God plus in verses 3 and 4 if you receive circumcision you are under obligation to keep the whole law. You've fallen from grace. If you do this part of the command, if you do this law over here, if you say, well, okay, I need to be circumcised, then you're obligated to keep all the rest of those thousands of rules and regulations. And so he says here, if you receive circumcision, Christ and his work will be of no benefit to you if you receive circumcision, you're under obligation to keep the whole law. You've fallen from God's undeserved favor. Why would you do that? And verses 5 and 6 t- tell us there. this is how to stand firm. Here's what freedom in Christ looks like in action. And when I came across this statement many, many years ago, for we through or by the Spirit, by faith... When I came across that little phrase, I thought that wraps up the Christian's walk in the very few words. But we, through the Spirit, by faith. That's what the Christian walk is all about. We walk by faith in the indwelling Holy Spirit who will fulfill the requirements of the law through us, in us, and through us. It's His work, not ours through the Spirit, by faith, we're waiting for this culmination that God has assured, that we're certain of, that, that, that we know we have an inheritance. We are God's heirs right now. We know that there's already an inheritance laid up uh, in, in heaven for us, according to 1 Peter chapter 1. And the Bible says, when we will be with Him, we will be, we will be like Him. There's so many things to look forward to, and they're certain because we know Jesus as Lord of our lives. And so, in terms of our walk here, while we still remain here on earth, you know, for we, through the Spirit, by faith, are, and you should be able to say that about yourself. Joel, through the Spirit, by faith, you are trusting Him. In any circumstance, you're trusting Him to live the Christian life in you and through you, you're trusting Him for everything that you need. It's not dependent on you, not dependent on the works. It's dependent on him. And you have one choice to make. Am I going to trust him or not? What, what spiritual value had circumcision? According to verse 6 there, none, none. None. And we can say the same thing about baptism. We can say the same thing about, you know, about church membership. I had a person uh, just this week talk to me and say, you know, I was talking to somebody about their salvation. The person was dying and talking to to Tim about the the salvation. And and, uh, he said, you know, are you you ready for going into eternity? Are, Are you, you know, where do you stand with Jesus? And the person responded, I've been baptized. Baptism doesn't save anybody. It doesn't. It doesn't make you right or just with God. You can make the statement, I've been baptized, but in some ways we could answer, so what? It means nothing. It's what you've done with Jesus. And now as a Christian, it's what you do with the Holy Spirit, whether you're trusting him for your day-to-day life. So I put on your handout, freedom in Christ is expressed in loving service for one another. It is what we do. How? By the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. We're simply allowing Him to pass on who we are and what we have. We're simply allowing Him to pass on His life, the life of Jesus, through us. And that way, when you're around other people, they see Jesus. Now... In verses 7 through 12, we go on to the false messengers. Not only the false message, but he asked the question there, and this is on your handout, who hindered you from obeying the truth? Not only can a message mislead us, but also so can a messenger. Christians resist anyone or any message who or which would try to force you back under law. Don't follow somebody like that. Don't listen to the message they're proclaiming. Understand it's false. And he says here, look, look who has put an obstacle in your path. What, what these, these Jewish legalists were doing, is they, they, what they were doing was wicked. It was, they're hindering you. They're hindering you from, from being persuaded by God's truth. And the question I had is, I had two questions. Number one, am I hindering anybody by proclaiming a wrong message, a legalistic message? Number two, am I following someone who's proclaiming a false message, legalism? God graciously called you, so trying to walk right with him by works or law doesn't line up with his message. In other words, he's saying, as I wrote down there, whatever voice you've been listening to is not the voice of God. God called you to freedom in Christ, not slavery to law. And verse 9 says, on the next page here, Verse 9 says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. We, we've heard that truth many, many times. And he's just saying, you guys, these people are affecting one person and then another. And then it's just starting to spread throughout the whole group of churches. There were four churches there in Galatia. And all of you people are being led and you're being deceived. You're being led into legalism. didn't seem like much when you first heard their message realize what it's doing to the body, the body of Christ. So I said the disastrous consequences of unchecked teachers and their false message. Verses 10 and 11 I paraphrase there. I, I tried to say the same thing only in my words. I, I am convinced that you will not take the wrong view, but that you'll think and respond biblically. These tools of the enemy and disturbers of your peace will bear the weight of their wrong teaching. Me, if I was still teaching circumcision and law, they'd be supporting me instead of persecuting me if circumcision is the way to and of salvation, then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished or rendered idle. It's been ineffective. There was no need for Jesus to die on the cross if circumcision is the way to salvation. And I wrote down there, the cross is a stumbling block to legalists because Christ has done it all for everyone. And what that was doing for for these Jewish legalists, Jesus and the cross robbed those Jews of their most distinctive signs. They didn't ask if you're right with God or just with God. They they didn't ask if you have been saved. They said, have you been circumcised? Are you keeping the law? Those were their questions. And neither one of those things gets you right with God or enables you to walk right with God. Jesus did it all. And for these these Jewish legalists and for these Galatians, uh, they were, Paul was encouraging them to go back to what, you know, go back to what he had first taught them. They they were encouraged to go from performance to faith. This paradigm switch for them, to go from pride to humility. There's nothing to boast about. You can't boast about being circumcised. You can't boast that you're keeping laws better maybe than somebody else. There's nothing to boast about because Jesus has done it all and our faith is in him. And you either trust him or you don't. In verse 12, when he says those words, I wish that those who are troubling you would even you know, the, the cutting of the circumcision. I, I, I wish that those who were troubling you would even cut themselves. You, you can just feel the passion that Paul has for these young Christians who, are, who have become, truly become Christians. They're realizing who they are, although they seem to have forgotten it as they're practicing this law. They have forgotten it, or they're ignoring it. That they're learning who they are, and they're learning how to walk. And, and this passion of this shepherd, of this pastor, of this person who's, who would consider himself a father, <laughs> he considers them his dear children, the passion that he has that they not go astray and be led astray by these, these Jewish legalists. And I put on your handout any message or messenger that who... Takes us away from God and His truth is to be rejected in, in its His her entirety. Be careful who you listen to, be careful what you listen to. Now, thirteen through fifteen is what I really you know this is uh, this is so good. This is this is what freedom is all about, and we're going to continue that next week. But he says in verse thirteen. But you are called to freedom, brother, and only don't turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you're not consumed by one another. And then verse 26 that we'll look at in a couple of weeks, let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Apparently, this is what was happening to these people. They were biting and devouring one another. They were being consumed by one another or consuming one another. They were be, some were becoming boastful. Others were becoming envious. Some were challenging others. That's just what trying to live by law or flesh leads to. It's just what you're going to see. And that's what was happening in the Galatian church. On your handout, the bottom couple of lines there, freedom is at the very heart of the good news of Jesus and of godly living. Freedom, from God's perspective, is neither legalism nor is it lawlessness. Turn the page over. Second page. It is not freedom to sin, but freedom not to sin. Freedom is a great word Jesus talked about the truth will set you free. It's not the truth that you get from a college or somebody else. It's truth from Jesus. If you, you know, if you, uh, if you stay in my word, if you abide in my word, uh, then you're truly disciples of mine, and you shall know the truth. If you stay in his word, then you shall know the truth, Jesus' truth, the word of God, and the truth will make you free. Freedom radically changes our motives from instead of being I have to give in to this, that's the law, instead I want to because of my relationship, my trust that I have in my Lord The Jews believed, and this is what, you know, this is what governments believe too. They believe that law is the only restraint that keeps sin from running rampant. Without law, won't there be a, the commitment of all kinds of sins? And the, and the answer to that for the Christian is no. And, and if you want to underline something on this handout, underline this next this next statement there. That's ignoring what Christ has done. It's ignoring who we are now, and it's ignoring the Spirit who lives in us. That's such an important statement. Understand what Christ has done. Understand who you are now, and understand the Holy Spirit who indwells these bodies of ours, who lives within these bodies of ours. God's method perfectly fulfills the law, but it's, it's, but it's by His life in and through ours. And that's only possible through the indwelling Holy Spirit by faith. Also, let me say this, please, and it's a lesson that I think Mary Lee and myself have had to learn. <laughs> it's hard. Let go of trying to make people do the right thing. I can tell you what the right thing is from God's truth but I can't make you do it. Would I like to? Yes, I would. Kind of like your kids. You can tell them the right thing to do, but as you know, you can't make them do it. I understand if you're bigger than they are, you can force them to do it. They'll probably do it on the outside, but they're not doing it on the inside. And we need to give that up. We need to continue to be sowers of the word, you know, spreading the word. Share it with your children. Share it with others. Share the word. This is the right thing to do. But I can't make you do that. But God's going to bring you to the point where you realize I have no place to turn but Him. I don't know how long it'll take. It took me 20 some years. But He's going to bring you to the point to, 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 to realize He can be trusted and he's the only way to walk in a way that is pleasing to him. Verse 13, you were called to freedom through love, servant. I'm just going to read a little bit here because we're, uh, my time is going. Uh, as justified ones, as people who are just or right with God by our faith in Jesus Christ and his work. As justified ones, we have both the desire, I I want to please God, but we also have God's necessary power to keep and do His will. There's a freedom there to love and serve Him, and there's also a freedom, an absolute freedom, because He's meeting all of our needs. There's a freedom to love and serve others with no conditions. Well, you know, mommy will love you if you do this. That's an awful statement to make a child. The child should be secure in your love, regardless of whether they obey or don't. You you love them because God entrusted them their gifts to you, and you're free with no conditions. You know, sometimes marriage, I say, well, what's your definition of marriage? Well, you do, I'll give my 50% if if they'll give theirs. That's an awful definition of of marriage. Marriage means you're giving yourself totally to another person with no conditions. The first statement I make in a marriage ceremony is God has brought the two of you to the place in your life where you're willing to give yourself to the other person for the rest of your life. It's not, well, if I get tired of my mate, then I'll get rid of them and find another one. We're free to love people, to serve people without any conditions. So it's freedom not to give in to the flesh, but to to successfully walk in victory over it. And the word opportunity, there's a great word. It's a word that's used over in Romans chapter seven. It means a a starting point or a a base of operation or a military headquarters. It's kind of uh, today we would say it's a launching pad. It's the place from which you know everything stems. And he says, don't you you know don't don't use, don't don't give this the, the flesh an opportunity. Don't turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. Your freedom should not be a, a starting point or a base of, you know, a, a base of authority for you. In terms of for the for the flesh, the flesh is the flesh is simply you trying to do maybe even good things, but it's trying to, you trying to do that in your own strength. It's like it's it's ignoring that God lives in you, and, and that God will be His strength through you. It's simply ignoring that fact and trying to handle things, even right things, in your own strength. That's the flesh. the non-Christian, all they can do is walk by the flesh. That's just all they can do because they don't have the indwelling Holy Spirit in their bodies. They don't have Jesus living in their spirits. But the flesh can also be practiced by the, by the Christian. We can try and do things in our own strength, even write, even God's things. The flesh is all the efforts of a Christian who's not strengthened by or walking by the Spirit at that moment. And Christian freedom, again, if you want to underline something, Christian freedom is never to be a base of operations for the flesh. Instead, it's to be a base of operations. This freedom is to lovingly serve others. And it looks like laying down your life for someone else. So I put on your hand it, and I want you to look at that really carefully. What does freedom look like in action? It's a man or a woman who loves regardless who serves whomever under all kinds of conditions, who recognizes who his or her God is, what God's character is like, who he or she is in Christ and in the Spirit, and by faith, willingly loves and serves out of that understanding. And I want to, I want to choose to address uh, one group of people who are here this morning, and that's husbands. It's interesting that when you read in, in Ephesians chapter 5 that there are roles that we are to play. Um, we have, God has given us a role to carry out within a marriage relationship, and a, a wife is to be this supportive companion. That's just her role. That's the way God has made her to operate. And when she's walking by the Spirit, that's what's going to show up. And for the husband, he's to be this loving head. That's the way, two words, loving head. And the example he uses there is he says, you husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved you and gave himself up for you. That's the way husbands are to love their wives. That is impossible to do in our own strength. But that's what will happen when we are filled with or walking by the Spirit, when by faith we're trusting Him to love my mate, Mary Lee, through me. It will look like me giving up my life for her. And the example there isn't a a good marriage that you see someplace out in humanity. The example is Jesus. This is what it's going to look like in a marriage, in a family, at your work, with your relatives, with your enemies. Verse 14, Paul is quoting Leviticus 19, 18. I'm just going to keep going right on. I'm going to plow through this as much as I can. So just look at the handout with me. Why through love serve one another? Because love fulfills all of God's law. You want to see the Ten Commandments fulfilled? Then by the Spirit through faith, love and serve God and people. It has to be His work, His love, His empowering, because only He is capable of His kind of loving service. God's kind of love is far more effective at controlling sin in ourselves and relationships than all the laws given at Mount Sinai, or all the laws that the United States has. And then you get to verse 15, and I put there, you know, it talks about biting and devouring one another. That describes conduct more fitting to untamed beasts than to brothers and sisters in Christ. Trying to operate by law or flesh results in feelings of envy or superiority. It results like a pack of mad dogs going for each other's throats. When you try to do what God wants you to do, the what is walk in line with His Word. When you try and do that in your own strength, it's going to end up in us biting and devouring one another. It's going to end up in envy and challenging and superiority. That's what it's going to end up. It's guaranteed. And so we need to be really careful that we use God's method. We can either love through the Spirit by faith or be consuming or consumed. So the final lines on that page, life in the spirit is free from legalism and license. Freedom, not to indulge the flesh, but to let the spirit within us control it. Freedom, not to disregard the law, but to fulfill it by the spirit. Freedom here to, uh, you know, not to exploit our neighbor, but to lovingly serve him or her. As we begin to experience sonship with the Father, we sense freedom in our relationships. We pass on what's been given to us as sons, the Father's love, acceptance, forgiveness. All of this is done by the Spirit through faith. What freedom that is. Christ has set us free. May we enjoy it thoroughly. And we can proclaim the message that sets people free. What does your life as an individual and our life as a church reflect? Freedom or slavery, check the method you are using for walking in line with the Word of God, because the method is by faith, through the Spirit, we, and you fill in the blank. Father, thank you for our time in your Word. It is so good. Just pray that uh, we would enjoy the freedom that we have, uh, that we would stop going around trying to Direct other people's lives. It's certainly right to share your truth when you see a... We're going to see this later on. If you see a brother or sister sinning, we're to go to them out of love and serve them by giving them them truth. But we can't make them do that. And we shouldn't withdraw our love if they don't do what we think they should be doing. We should keep right on loving them in the Spirit's strength. And if there's somebody that's bearing a burden here that the burden is just too much for them to carry on their own, I pray that we, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we move in alongside them and lovingly serve them by helping bear the burden. That's what it's going to look like when we're operating in your strength instead of our own. So thank you for giving us these real tangible results that we're going to see when we're walking in the Spirit's strength instead of our own. Thank you for your wonderful provision for our salvation, our, our getting right with you. It was Jesus for us walking right before you. It's your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Thank you for being everything that we need. May we, may we take full advantage of all the, all the resources, your life, in ours and through ours. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.